0: You are listening to Amazing Arizona Comics Radio, the podcast dedicated to my mini comic book, Amazing Arizona Comics. My name is Russ, and thank you for listening. I haven't recorded one of these in quite some time, and like tens of thousands of other people right now, during the pandemic of COVID-19, I've decided to chronicle these experiences Uh, Via podcast. Others are doing so as well on Twitch and TikTok and Instagram and all of those social media outlets in an effort to remain connected and quite frankly relevant. For me personally, so many of my uh, creative endeavors involve interactions with people, whether it's behind a table at a Comic Con or an art walk or whether it's on stage as a, a performer. I'm so dependent on people present that in these Tumultuous and challenging times, uh, doing something like this is as close as any of us can get, um, at least when we haven't uh, taken a shower that day. I'm not willing to jump on IGTV just yet. There's the comfort now of, of being unwashed yet heard. So uh, I am grateful for that. Actually, this isn't going to be a solo effort. This episode uh, specifically will feature a conversation with my good friend David Deloso, a local artist in his own right, who is having his own unique experiences in the midst of this. Uh, a significant amount of his income comes from rideshare. He is a, uh, an Uber and a Lyft driver, uh, in addition to being one of the most talented and prolific artists I've ever met. The guy can produce ink brush work on par with the likes of uh, Paul Pope, and his uh, homage work to, as you'll hear, uh, Van Gogh and Picasso and other fine artists is also unparalleled, reflecting both the, uh, the look and the feel of the original artist's intent, but then also conveying his unique style and voice, uh, so to speak, in the work as well. So uh, David and I decided to, to record a conversation that I'm making Uh, into this podcast under my brand, as he agreed, um, because it's a great way to get it out there, quite frankly. And um, I think that his perspective on this is unique, being both a driver uh, who has uh, experienced uh, a little bit of suffering and challenge, and also an artist like me who is wondering what our place is in all of this. So without further ado, uh, please uh, indulge and uh, and glean something from this conversation I have with my good friend David Deloso. So uh David, I think you have been um in my opinion one of my most um successful friends at uh um, using your art as supplemental income. I mean, just sitting here talking about what we were going to discuss on the podcast, your phone chings and you got a sketch cover online with eyes and bids and and stuff like that. So, um, and if you could see his apartment, we're surrounded by these big, beautiful canvases that he's painted in homage to artists like Picasso, and uh, there's a a Bowie, and uh, not something Bowie painted, but an image of Bowie. Andrew Wyatt, and... uh... Van Gogh, Van Gogh up there. Van Gogh, is that Van Gogh? All right, I'm not. I never argue with people. All right, <laughs> pretentious son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Van Gogh, but uh <laughs> You know what I mean? Made, made a tomato, but but I know. <laughs> I, I know who you're talking about when you say Van Gogh, but yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, you're always at the board, you're always creating, you're putting it online, you've sold pieces in my presence before, I've seen it happen, and so uh, (laughs) I'm not just making this up to give you any kind of uh, bona fides here, it's the real deal. So what's what's going on in your personal world? We'll talk about us, and then we'll just kind of slowly expand out, you know? Yeah, man. What's going on?
1: um, Oh, just depression setting in it was like the, the world scape and everything job situation. is just unbelievably horrible. I mean, I don't want to cry about it because I know people have it way worse. So, uh, I'm just surviving. And, uh, man, it, I was talking to you earlier, how it just makes you focus on stuff you really want to do. And, uh, now it just it's got me realigned with the uh, just producing some artwork, not so much just as a creative outlet, but it's like uh, I need to make some money, you know. So mm. I'm just starting to really, I'm really starting to crank out sketch covers because those always sell pretty good for me on eBay. But um, it's just it's just like a razor sharp focus on like what I need to be doing because I don't even know what the you know. To a month from now it's going to be like. So, I don't know. Just a lot of, lot of like, thinking about what, what the world's going to be like and where, where where I'm going to be in that world, you know?
0: I think it's interesting, at least locally here in Phoenix, when things started shutting down in mid-March, the, uh, the arts really seemed to be one of the first uh, industries or practices that abided by the warnings, that kind of heeded the call to be responsible and and support social distancing. You know, poetry readings, little comic book shows, um, art walks, the museums themselves. I mean, from the grassroots up to the the the, the echelon echelons of uh, of the art world here in Phoenix. The higher echelons. I'm probably not, I'm not saying that right. But echelon. Echelons. Yeah. Is that a word that Van Gogh? coined or anyway (laughs) all strata of the art world um kind of heated the call and it gave me pause um creatively too uh in thinking well if if we're basically accepting a role of non-essential and some people will argue that art is one of the most essential things in culture but um it's certainly not a necessity for living, you know, so um, my my heart and my mind were really challenged by that, you know, and then TV shows too, everything stops taping, you know, we're not, you were just saying earlier, all we're productions not, halt, productions are halted, all, all films that are even done or delayed, nothing's right. coming out, right, because yeah, even if the film's in the can, nobody's going to go sit in a the theater and watch it, mm-hmm. and they don't, necessarily want to stream everything because there's more revenue to be made in a the theater so um, yeah I really was concerned and I'm saying that in the context of your work because you are still selling items which is an encouragement to any artist listening if it's marketed well and if it's targeting a specific audience in, in your case it's certainly superhero fans fans of comic books and stuff like that what's weird is I almost
1: you know kind of gave up like just even trying to, you know, resolicit every week, even though sometimes it takes months for a book to sell or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I think that first initial week, I just didn't even worry about it. Like, I didn't even, you know, do my weekly Sunday relists of everything, you know, and just, you know, I was just like, who cares? Like, nobody's going to focus on that. I got to make money at it. I got I to gotta do this, do that. And then, you know, I just uh, got like a Superman one done and and I just started noticing the um, the uh, the views on it, you know, where, I mean, on a good week, I'm doing 30 views on a book, maybe one or two watchers, usually doesn't sell, whatever. You know what I mean? Just, didn't cost me anything, so just put it on next week. But this one got like over 200 views. And uh, it didn't sell, but I mean, just 200 views. Mm. And I was just like, what the F? Like... Wow, that's a lot. Like, for, you know, average no-name guy like me, like, that's a lot. And that's not even trying to promote it anywhere on cross-media social platforms. Just and I eBay. And like, yeah. I was like, people are on here just looking, you know? Sure. So, I'm not saying they bought it, but, like... So, then I did another Superman, and that one's at 200 views. And then I did a Spider-Man one, uh, Mysterio, and that one just sold. And that had over... I want to say over 200 views with four watchers. And I was like, "That was that's what like refocused me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to crank out as
0: many as these as I can. Mm. But yeah, it does. Well, I think people still have, um, as much as we're hearing in the news of the struggle that folks are having paying bills and whatnot, I think those folks that are essential and who are going to work, and in fact maybe working even a little bit more depending on the demands of whatever industry they work for, they have a little bit of, expendable income and they are using it to indulge in the escapist entertainment you know that we that we rely on in hard times and this is a hard time for everybody so if you got an extra and you can't go to the comic book store and that's spend what I mean. your weekly that's what 20 I mean, bucks I
1: sold yeah i just sold a star wars one and the guy sent me the paperwork to send it to get cg cgc mm. you know what i mean so not only is he buying my book he's Paying to get it CGC, right. which the Signature Series, which, I don't know, it costs how much, but, uh, sure. 30, 40 bucks, I don't even know, but, uh, you know, he, people have money. Most of my friends are still have their jobs, and they're totally fine, they're just working from home, and then they just got a huge stimulus check, which, well, you have you got relatives. yours
0: yet? Not curious. yet, but, uh, me neither. it'll come in the mail me for neither. me, and, uh. If and when it does arrive, because I'm still skeptical. I know people that have received it, mm-hmm. but um, you know when I get mine in September or whatever they're anticipating, <laughs> some twenty weeks out, twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a it'll be more of a pleasant surprise than a uh, than a fulfillment of uh, necessity right now. But, yeah,
1: the whole world will be on fire, but uh, right. At least I got this check. That at least I, can't I got the cash because the banks are all dead. <laughs> yeah, I've
0: been trading yeah. uh, cans of beans for batteries for the last three months, <laughs> yeah. but I got twelve hundred. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, uh, in my world of self-publishing, um, it's definitely a double-edged sword because I need to um, I need to beef up my online presence and take my own advice um, and cross-platform some of this stuff. I have an online store, but I need to dabble maybe in, in Etsy, maybe look at eBay, um, and just do some different things than I usually do. Because I don't have the in-person shows, I'm so dependent on in-person shows. That's what screws us so hard.
1: Yeah, know, because none of those big art walks, which I, I I've been you know doing a lot more of lately to kind of you know focus on painting as well as like you know my art books and stuff like that, but that's all gone, and that ain't coming back anytime soon. Any type of large gathering, I don't see coming back for at least a year. Absolutely. I mean, San Diego is just. Yeah, you campsite. told me that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's every convention. That's every right. small press one. We we do all the
0: local ones here. Yeah, first that, Friday,
1: second that Friday. That maybe Mason. costs us 20 bucks to get a table at. Mm-hmm. No, nothing.
0: Right. And, you know, during certain times of year where I'm not tabling, I would, you know, look at uh, issues I might have, my own back issues that might have been dinged or damaged, and transport to those shows. And what I've done in the past, and what I'd like to continue to do uh, when the time is right, is I take those books, I set them aside, I leave them in my car. If I go to a coffee shop, I'll throw those on the free table. You know what I mean? I've, do, I've done that with zines and comics that have a bent corner or uh, maybe a rip or something that's happened while I was packing or unpacking them. That's what I mean. You're, and then you're the,
1: even talking like
0: there's a there's a coffee shop that's even open. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like so, just... forget even... Even if the shows are off the table, pardon the pun, over the next year, to supplement that with guerrilla marketing, guerrilla distribution, offering freebies for interest to uh, maybe get a crap that We should have been doing last year or
1: (laughs) or even two months before that, like you say, when we hang out at a local coffee shop and get coffee and talk about our work and how we, you know, how we can do better or whatever. And we have all had all these avenues out there and we're just sitting there, you know. Doing none of it. And now none of those options are. And I think that's what like depresses me more is every time I start thinking about what what I could be doing to, you know, generate a, an income or do this or, you know, make more money. It's like it – every every brainstorm like it uh, goes down that rabbit hole of like all these other things that aren't going to be available to me. And then that's, that's when I get even more depressed, you mm. know, like yeah. – like you're saying, like, drop them off at the coffee shop. Like, yeah, well, those aren't open, you know? Right. That's where I'm and struggling when start right now. thinking things through, like, oh, but that won't be,
0: oh, we won't have that. Oh, right. We're not going to. Grassroots doesn't exist right now because we can't go on the grass. <laughs> you know? So what do you do when uh, basically any direct access to a, a potential fan base or your current fan base is... is is gone. You got to rely. I, did, I, yeah, I just wish it wasn't all internet, but it is. It and is. I'm gonna I'm gonna start having
1: to like, you know, linking eBay sales and doing all this stuff that I never really cared to do because I don't want my Instagram to be, you know, an advertising market for my eBay sales. You know, it's just, it's just, I just don't want to do that. But now I'm like, I don't think I really have a choice. You know. Yeah. But.
0: God. Well, fortunately, everybody's in the same boat. It's a level playing field in that regard. Mm-hmm. So at least proportionate to what the marketplace has to offer, um, nothing's changed in so much that we all have to do the same stuff. You know, um, so just as before, if you had a table at a con, you're inadvertently competing with all the other exhibitors. Now you're just competing with all the other artists Onlineers. online. Yeah, you know, and obviously there's uh, a million times more people there but again if you're if you're offering a targeted strategy
1: but at the same time I do think it is <clears throat> because everybody's at home everybody's not doing anything they are more focused on YouTube or you know which I got and I've been you know trying to post more videos on there and same with Instagram so if you can just generate more content I still want to get like a daily or weekly Panel, panel a week, like mm-hmm. the Grass of Parnassus,
0: Stuart and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just to be more out there. But uh, it's a slippery yeah. slope because uh, you got to be careful not to give away too much content for free because then there's no reason to buy anything from you. You have to offer just enough of a teaser that is still a substantial, it's like a sampler at Costco. You know, you get a sample at Costco, it's a substantial bite. That maybe will drive you to buy the product, but if they gave you the me, if they gave you a meal, you wouldn't buy the product because you're satisfied. You know what I mean? So I see people on Instagram and social media all the time. They give you everything for free, dude. That's another thing I'm depressed about is all the samples at Costco.
1: <laughs> ah, I could go in and eat, like do my walk around, and be completely full and not spend a
0: dime. It's, <laughs> oh. He's starving already, artists. These are the ways to do it. These comedy. are the end of days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you saying? I'm lost in my uh, Costco sampling. Well,
0: I mean, uh, <laughs> speaking of going to stores, comic book stores, man. I mean, we're oh, talking about God. shows That's, and art walks, but like let's I talk said, about the direct market.
1: I feel so bad for everybody, every business in the world, but comic book stores are like, who you know. That's so near and dear to my heart. Like, it's unbelievable, like, how much of my personal life I've actually spent in them. Sure. And discovered stuff and, you know, met friends.
0: Yeah, you and I met in a comic book store. Yeah. We met in a comic book store.
1: Everything about them. Just, you know, even before the Marvel Universe made it cool, you know, we were those guys. Sure. Uh, And then, like I said, to grow up and then have my local comic stores support me as a local artist every time, we were talking about it earlier, but every time like when I got my art book published, you know, or printed up, you know, all the stores were more than welcoming me to do a signing no, you know Drew or Ken mm-hmm. at Ash Avenue Comics in Tempe and uh, Drawn to Comics I mean, they, it was just like, yeah, whenever you want to do it, you yeah, know man.
0: You know, when I moved back to the valley in uh, December 2009, I moved back here from Southern California on my birthday, my 30th birthday, and um, I had books in tow that I had self-published with my friend Brent in California. I wrote the scripts, and he drew them, and we had self-published together five books. Then I made a mini-comic, Karaoke Comics, number one, my first completely solo piece, So I had like maybe four, five, six books at that time and some poetry mini-zines or whatever. Anyway, I think within a week of being in the Valley, and I lived in Mesa, I went to the Atomic Comics on uh, Country Club and I asked if I could set up a table and like within two, three weeks of moving here, I was tabling at a shop. (laughs) And I had done that in Southern California maybe twice the whole time I lived there working with Brent. And there are a lot of factors behind that. But when I moved back to the Valley, it was partially with the intent of um, exploring my artistic passions. Comics, poetry, maybe a little bit of comedy and performance art and all that stuff. And um, Phoenix is definitely a good city for that kind of thing. And uh, the shops are integral. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks we know these guys by name. It's one thing when you walk into a comic, it's one thing when you walk into any kind of business and uh, you're greeted warmly and you say hi too and you have a little exchange with somebody and it's very pleasant. But when you walk into a business and you know the business owner by name, you know their family, you you know their staff, um, you can consider them a friend. So now you've kind of, they've graduated in your mind from shopkeeper or business owner to friend and you're frequenting a friend's store versus that shop, you know. And that's really how the culture in Phoenix is. We know these guys and gals, women yeah, and men alike. We, we know them. We care for them. And uh, I don't know if there's going to be a comic book store bailout. So when everything goes, quote, unquote, back to normal, what happens?
1: Well, I want to say they could qualify for those small business loans. But I want to say on the news that that money is completely run out it is already locally i don't know how all that works but um you know again we're two people sitting here that haven't got that stimulus check and it probably ain't gonna happen anytime soon right but uh not that i'm like holding my breath for it but man would that come in handy but um it seems like it would be a good idea but yeah i mean the implementation of that is it's insane what they did already so you can't fault anybody like I'm not crying because I didn't get my check in two weeks from when they actually passed the bill like you know again I'm never you know dependent on that like, it, it would help if it came but if it doesn't I'm already right kind of doing things that I need to be doing to make money but yeah for those guys and it, and I, I equate it to like a like a steakhouse like yeah, you're shut down. Yeah, you can do to go orders. But it's like your distributor says, hey, we're not going to deliver any more steaks. Sorry. Right. You know, it's like that's what the Diamond has done to the local comic book stores. And I I don't know numbers in terms of what they make, but, but that weekly Wednesday sales date has got to be huge for them. It's
0: got to be the cornerstone of their business. I mean, yeah. I don't know how it works, but... I would assume without new inventory, um, there's a lag in interest. No, we you know
1: we got decent ones that have decent back issues, you know, but mm-hmm. um, or at least a huge backlog of graphic novels you oh, know, yeah. that are just gorgeous to, to browse through. But I think the most of most comic book stores are new comics. yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I, we don't I don't know, but I would imagine so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean. and I mean, uh, since this whole thing started, you know, I, I I've been hesitant to offer advice or strategies to what these stores should do because I don't know the the model. I don't uh, have any expertise in that kind of sales, but um, I would imagine that this would be a good chance. And I've seen comic book stores do this in lieu of new titles coming out, kind of doubling back and and reinvesting a little bit of marketing power in. Surefire titles, you know, things that somebody can go back, you know, titles, series that you can go back and start at the beginning. That sounds, yeah, that's what I'm So, like, yeah, if you missed, you know, uh, or do retro
1: day on this day in 1986, sure. these are all the new titles that came out. And if you have those back issues,
0: right? Yeah, it weird. would really depend on having the stuff. But yeah, if you're yeah. the kind of collector that's Jones and pick up books on a regular basis, and you can do it, that's what I would be doing right with now with throwbacks. Yeah,
1: like you're saying, just. Like, everybody's heard to watch, man. But there are, like, a hundred other books in the 80s and 90s that are just as good,
0: if not oh, better. Oh, sure. You yeah, know. I mean, you could piggyback on, like, okay, Riverdale's got a new episode coming out. If you wanted to find out what the, the Archie gang's really all about, pick up Riverdale number one. We have uh, this many in stock, and then come back next week for number two. So now it's the customer's responsibility, too, to kind of parse out, not binge the series, but parse out the issues. So you're getting a virtual new issue release feeling, you know, when you go to the store. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that could happen. You could kind of start to integrate that into your customer culture. But we were just talking about, like, the the
1: future of the comic store is just going to move online in terms of your, your pull list should just all be online. And what you were saying was it should be just ready when you come to pick it up
0: yeah my my vision is like ordering from a restaurant right now where if i had a comic book store russ's comics and uh i got my weekly shipment from diamond i should take those issues put them on a web portal like a shop so it's russcomics.com slash shop my box holders could log in with a special number, so it discounts their cart 10% off, whatever. And uh, not as generous, obviously, as some of the other shops here with their 30% subscriptions. But, you know, okay, so you're a member, and you could log in. Or you could just log in as a guest, buy a book or two at your leisure. And then you just can, can digitally, virtually browse my new release rack. So you're not coming into the store. You're seeing images pulled from the Diamond Catalog. Of what all the new titles are. And okay, I'm going to get this issue of Batman, I'm going to get that Spider-Man, I'm going to get that Savage Dragon. Check out, schedule my pickup time, cruise by the shop, curbside, honk honk, they come out, they got your order. Just like Apple Pe- Applebee's to go.
1: Or even shipping. Just ship, have it shipped to you.
0: Well, the reason, you know? uh, yeah, but I think the, the motions of going to the store, keeping that muscle memory alive... Is what will keep that brick and mortar. No, I, going. I even see it. Because otherwise it's a warehouse. Well, I
1: even see it like, you know, outsourcing the delivery of it. So it'll be like, mm. you know, a seven dollar charge, like Uber Eats or something to or
0: Postmates to get your comics delivered to your door. Interesting. I think that's how it'll probably go. That would be cool. And some shops locally have been doing that. We know K yeah. over at Drawn to Comics has been delivering and, you know, door and to door. door Ash. I don't and, know. Is
1: yeah. Samurai doing anything like that?
0: I don't know. But I mean, they're doing it. These guys are doing it. These guys are hustling to keep their businesses viable, to keep it fun, too, which is important. You know, there's got to be a sense of fun about it. Yeah, I even visited uh,
1: Drew today at Ash Avenue Comics to drop off a sketch cover for, to donate to his store. I'm going to do it to all three of them Samurai and Drawn to Comics. But it was nice just to chat with him. Through a window sure. for five minutes, and
0: uh, like the Get Smart cone of silence, <laughs> you gotta uh, talk through the glass. <laughs> uh, the Get Smart reference. Oh uh, man! Well, it's a lot like that. Trust me, it's all right. Less, less funny, but um,
1: <clears throat> but through that conversation, uh, you just feel the weight of it all, and it's uh, it's uh, it's, it's,
0: it's pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, restaurants have been marketing like uh, they're nonprofits. you know what I mean? Like, your favorite restaurant has always been there for you when you needed a good meal. And it's, <laughs> to me, there's a little bit of melodrama. I know how desperate this is, but like, you know, home, it's where everybody is right now. It's what's important. Love home now i got your beat el pollo loco well, wait a minute what what are we talking about El pollo no, loco? i saw a billboard signed
1: by fries and it said something to the effect of thank you all our employees you mean the you know whatever it said just you know we appreciate you or something i'm like how fucking much did you just spend on this billboard? Well, sure. When you could have cut a check, if it was $1,000, give every one of your employees five bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm like, that billboard does F all for me. you know, like It's true.
0: It's true. It's a marketing ploy to get people. Oh, Fry's is the one that that values their their employees. So I'll go Good to Fry's. Like, safe don't for. want to read that on the billboard right now. That's all I'm saying. A lot of a lot of self-aggrandizing and uh, backslapping and stuff like that. In the midst of this, look what we're doing. <laughs> look how well we're doing it. We're keeping things running for you. Yeah, I like all the emails that come in on
1: like how we're gonna how it's affecting me or you know their businesses or whatever. And it's like you know. You're going to be okay there. Right. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm not worried know. about McDonald's or El Pollo Loco. I'm yeah, really not. I don't,
1: I don't need to know what you're doing, you know, in, in right. terms of, of, you know, dealing with the pandemic. I'm sure you're, you know, on top of it. Right.
0: Yeah. I, when all this started, I loved cool. hearing how everyone was assessing the situation. We're assessing the situation. What does that mean? You're watching the news like the rest of us. <laughs> you're assessing. What are you getting? Special reports from the CDC every day? Burger King? That <laughs> says, hey, here's what's the, here's the latest. Don't tell the people, but here's what you need to know. Here's the latest. Assess it and react accordingly. Oh, I didn't even tell you that, you know, Burger King has a commercial where, like, this young, this looks like a prepubescent child in a Burger King outfit is like, hey, we know you're not thinking about Burger King right now, but Burger King is thinking about you. We offer delivery, free delivery. So when I was at work the other day, there's a Burger King not half a mile. And I said, oh, I'll order from Burger King. It's going to be free delivery. Not in my area. <laughs> Not in my area. I'm like, what's the point? Uh, the commercial's nationwide. So there's select Burger Kings that are here for me? That's I right. wasn't thinking about Burger King. Now I am, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Why did you do that to me? So <laughs> like,
1: yeah, with discounts of up to 50% off, but most of them are 5%.
0: Right. Know? And here's the thing about a lot of this free delivery stuff. When we do go "quote unquote" back to normal, who's going to want to pay for delivery? It was free. Now I got to pay for it. Well, I I don't know how how that that works
1: because they'll say free, but you know, Uber Eats is still charged. You know, that that driver is still getting paid. So, right. So money's coming from somewhere, but it's not out of somebody's eating that cost. Yeah. Right. But if it's you know built into the
0: price, (laughs) it's not really free. Sure. I just think that, you know, if there was a delivery fee before, and now there's not, it's going to be really hard to convince people. No, because to they're going to gonna get that. used to it. Most people don't care. They just want the convenience. They don't yeah, I guess, but... I've never ordered more delivery, and it's only because it's free. Now I'll drive and pick up to avoid the three ninety nine. Well, I whatever. never think it's free, because I always think I want a tip, so... Well, we ordered I, pizza not too long ago, and... Um, she the delivery uh, the delivery lady uh, said you know we're not asking you to sign the receipt right now um, because we don't want any contact with you mm-hmm. so there's no tip we didn't want that we wanted to tip we didn't have cash but I mean that was that's how you tip is you add yeah, it to the I receipt you could have paid for that when you know they should have asked about that when. When you order online, absolutely, but, you know, if they don't, and then you, they show up, and you got it, and you can't sign the receipt, I'm like, well, we, this is, part of the reason why we're doing this, is we want to help these people. That's like, when I get cash tip, I'm not gonna not accept it, but. Right. You know.
1: But, (laughs) you know.
0: World's changing, man!
1: Yeah. But, yeah, just, it's everything, I guess we could talk more about entertainment and whatnot, but, uh. Like all our shows, all our movies. Did you right. see the uh, Dune promo shots that were released by Vanity Fair? I did not. Wow, looks gorgeous. Oh,
0: isn't uh, Aquaman in that?
1: Uh, yeah, Jason Momoa. Jason yeah. Momoa. Yeah, I did see that. Duncan Idaho. Nice. That looks so good. And So what's the deal with that? Is
0: it coming out soon? I, I'm or? Like, I
1: have no idea, and I don't even think it's going to. That's what's so sad about it, because... That's a movie. A I've been looking forward to. Denis Villeneuve is just on fire in my, in my, in my world. Mm -hmm. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, my favorite movie of all time right now. Wow, just a gorgeous freaking film. And like uh, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, Um, but the guy's a master filmmaker already, and uh, I was so looking forward to this remake and. It was it was something that I was like so looking forward to. I love the marketing on Blade Runner because it just revealed nothing. It was mm-hmm. like this real abstract trailer, and that's all I saw. And then I just didn't see anything else. With this, I was gonna go. I was saying to myself, i like, I don't even want to see images. I don't want to <laughs> see trailers. Sure. I don't want to see nothing. I just want to go to that theater because I know I'm, gonna, I'm. I know it's gonna be right. You know. Yeah. I mean, not one hundred percent, but." You faith. And then all this crap started happening. And then I, I thought about all the movies that are coming out, like Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I doubt I'm going to see it. And I want that one in IMAX because he shoots at IMAX. He understands the importance of it. And, like, all these films coming out. And, I'm, and uh, I was like, I'm not even going to get that movie. I mean, it's going to be, like, another year or two. I'm, I'm thinking maybe next year. It just depends. If because I theaters think even
0: exist. That's I what mean. I'm
1: saying. They're talking about AMC going bankrupt. And uh, props to them too. Because I'm on the A-list. It's $20 a month. Three movies a week. It can be IMAX or Dolby Cinema. Anything. I get my money's worth ten times over. And they um, immediately halted my fees. Until the theaters reopened. But yeah, like you're saying. It's, you know, Maybe a limited... Number of people can be in there, which would be awesome for me. But, sure. Yeah, um, listers
0: only. You would. But uh, my
1: point was, like, I was so <laughs> depressed about all this stuff because I had already thought about all these movies I'm looking forward to mm. uh, that I I don't think I'm going to see in the theater. Right. Dune was the most important one, so when I heard that they released some images, I said to myself, "Oh yeah, I'm going to look just because I'm so depressed right sure. now." Sure. And, uh, man, it, it really made me feel good for some reason just to see a few still images from the freaking movie. And uh, I was going to go in cold, but I was like, I need to pick me up. And it really made me feel good for That's some awesome, reason. awesome,
0: man. Well, I'm sure those folks would be excited to hear that, too. You know, yeah. That's kind of the point of those images. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, but just, I'm a huge fan of the, the book. And
0: Well, you got big uh, production works like that where... Um, they're either delayed for theater release or they're considered direct streaming. My, my focus has been more on things like talk shows. We were talking earlier about how somebody like Conan O'Brien or Stephen Colbert that usually have these nightly, huge, audience-driven in-studio productions are now just essentially making YouTube videos with their uh, camera phones from their homes And nobody's really batting an eye at the quality. In fact, there's something really relatable to seeing these guys doing what we've all been doing, vlogging and whatnot, over the last five years or so. And it just makes me wonder if people are going to look at the way things used to be and think, eh, we don't have to do that anymore. Everybody can do it from home. All these shows can be Zoomed. You don't need a camera crew. You don't need boom mics. You don't need studios, green rooms. Uh, Everything can be done from home. And there's a charm about it. There's something fun about it. It definitely tests your creativity. And what do you know, think about that stuff?
1: Well, uh, I think I think you uh, you realize the importance of a studio audience. And uh, it's funny. I was just watching a little YouTube video about the origins of the laugh track. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff, you know. But it uh, reminds me of that Chuck Palahniuk quote, you know, that, they use laugh tracks, but they were all recorded like in the oh. 50s or 60s or sure. something like that. So the your favorite show that the people are laughing on today are all dead people. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. a good Palahniuk uh, <laughs> quote. But um, anyway, the Need Forum like dropped off in the 80s and 90s and not 80s and 90s, but more recently. Like even, you know, you think about shows like Seinfeld and... Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm blanking Friends. on sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, that had laugh tracks, and they're actually keyed in different type of laughs, short laughs. You know. Oh, yeah, you have, and the... then you can like you know orchestrate Ooh. all the <laughs> other ones. Yeah, and um, anyway, that died away. But the talk shows, their whole comedy is based on that, and it's it was never more uh, apparent to me is when when I watched the John Oliver show, mm. which his his humor, you know, it's not for everybody, but I really like the show. I think it's funny. Yeah. But I mean, the, the comedic beats are just emphasized by that studio audience. So now he has the gorilla style, white background, right. know nothing, and these jokes are coming in, and it's dead silence. And it just,
0: <laughs> I know it's funny, but it's just, it's just not hitting. It's Pavlovian when you laugh at the end of a joke. And everyone, because everyone else is laughing. Well, I actually hardly ever laugh out loud. Sure.
1: Even though everybody says LOL. Right. I never actually do that. <laughs> You've never lolled,
0: Right. <laughs> but I mean, like, Have I Have you think, ever rolled on the floor laughing? I don't think so. <laughs> laughing your um, ass off. Has that ever
1: happened? <laughs> no. But my, uh, but my thought process is like, that's.
0: yeah you know it it tickles you yeah it amuses you yeah i just see that (laughs) yeah you're one of those guys yeah well that's the power of the comedy club that's the power of talk shows is you hear the laughs and it compels you to let go of that inhibition and laugh for a lot of people i'm not a big i'm honestly not a huge laugher most of the time either Mm -hmm. you know so um if something really is making me laugh i mean i was crying laughing the other day listening to this podcast but um you know that was a rarity, and maybe something that was as a result of the way ble- bleak things everything's mm-hmm. been lately. It really got me to laugh more than usual. But yeah, are these shows gonna just say? Ah, I guess we're gonna remain avant garde and just stay with the way you know, and just you know. Uh, I think they'll go back, but like I said, I don't think I don't think the audience is gonna come back. Well, right. So not if, for a while. Why even go to the studio if you're not gonna have an audience there that to perform saying. for? Like, well, let's say you're, you know your production cost has to be next to nothing. You know, it's just a studio and then you have people come in. Well, you got a lot of people working. That's where a lot of the production cost is. You got makeup and hair and lights and sound but and But in terms and of graphics uh, as opposed to a show like
1: Westworld, well, right? Because I mean? yeah, you're not paying. But I mean, look at like John cast. Oliver will have 9 million views on his YouTube channel. And that's just YouTube and this show is on HBO. Right. You know, like it's I'm like he's got that many views? I was like, sure. And I'm thinking like, is that a lot or is it not? I don't know. You know. Oh, it's definitely
0: a lot. Nine million.
1: Yeah. Sure. That brings in revenue.
0: Oh yeah. For him in that show. Absolutely. And if the show is posted by HBO itself, then that brings in revenue for HBO too. It's a side, it's definitely a side hustle. If not the hustle and the, the TV network is actually the side hustle now. I mean, that's a lot of, I mean... Outlets are finding that to I'm telling campaigns. you, I cannot tell you. Where do you think Jimmy Fallon gets more views? The next day on YouTube or that night on NBC? Especially when they're just doing clips. Like, right. Because I don't want to watch your whole show. I just wanted to see, you know... Yeah, you want to see the George interview or, or whoever, you know. Yeah, you want to see Fallon uh, singing uh, show tunes with Lucy Lou or whatever. I don't know, whatever that... Whatever's interesting. But, uh... Yeah, man, this is going to change all that.
1: That's what I mean. It's just the deeper, the more you think about it, the more, like, you're realizing the impact of all this through everything, everything. We just, we talked about those moments, like 9-11, everything was different. Sure. It got back to more normal, but everything was different after that.
0: Well, and you got to think that not only do things get back to normal, but things get back to normal exponentially faster because prior to 9/11 for us it would have been what JFK for our parents and you know what I mean uh, we that wasn't something that impacted m- my personal life thinking about a president getting shot I mean and then prior to that Pearl Harbor I mean what are those seminal moments Well you remember Reagan getting shot yeah but he wasn't a, he, he wasn't killed yeah but that so I think was that's like, a different deal maybe the the, uh, the shuttle explosion that was a, that's a big one that was a big one too. it's a big one um, so for those of you don't know what a shuttle is, it's a <laughs> space program that we had in the '80s. Uh, so you yeah. definitely have these uh, these high impact events that affect not just the country but the world, and sometimes that's how the world defines or identifies the country is by its tragedies. You know, so um, I mean, for us in America, yeah, I would say going back 9/11, I look at the shuttle. I uh, look at uh, maybe Vietnam, but I don't know if there's any singular event other than that just being one long deal. Uh, Oh, the moon landing, JFK, uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Just keep going back, you know, and then prior to Pearl Harbor, the depression, you just have these events, and this will definitely be on that list. Um, This is
1: like not even an American thing. This is like... Well, very true. The world. Right. Like I didn't I I can't even fathom what has been done. Like they're just saying we're gonna close down the world. <laughs> the world. You know, like I I didn't even understand how they grounded every single flight that day on nine eleven. Right. Like the the logistics of that alone. Right. I was like I don't even know how many planes there are, but Sure.
0: I mean, but within that day, all of them oh, yeah. were think grounded. Ab- think about you have a 230 flight that day, and maybe you're so consumed by your travel that you're not really paying attention to the news. You know, or and even you... the first building, it's like, wow, what happened? Yeah. And then you go you know, to the airport like, oh. and people are saying, um, this isn't happening right now and you're like, What? I got a whole I'm doing a whole thing, and no, you're not leaving there. No, you can't leave, and then you got to worry about the cost, and then you start to grieve, and, and that's, then that's what happened to me. So,
1: yeah, spring training, Phoenix locally has spring training in the in the month of March, where I make the bulk of my money that can get me through the summer, and that was my second plane hitting. Where I am uh, listening, I am hearing what's going on. Yeah. Everything's fine. I'm still working the events. And uh, then they closed spring training. Mm-hmm. And then it just, the cascading effect of everything. Cancelling right. all at once. Yeah, man. Every concert, they it was spring training, baseball, hockey, and basketball. And I was like, what? Like That's all right. my money right
0: there. Concerts.
1: Concerts. Not only working but going to we were gonna go to Pearl Jam which would have been freaking last week
0: last yeah. Saturday yep last a week concert scheduled on the 14th obviously postponed till they say July but now it's like is that premature
1: that is way pre- premature you know so but I mean that that's when it really started sinking into like holy crap and that's uh like I said the scope of like how screwed I am right now here sure. in
0: terms of Because so much of your income money. depends on Uber. Yeah. Lyft and yeah. ride share. Yeah. And it's right. just like And you're definitely not alone. You oof. know? But like I'm saying, I don't even have it.
1: As bad as most people, you know. Yeah. I have no attachments, no kids, no nothing. My rent is cheap, utilities included,
0: um, you know. Well, uh, you've inadvertently set yourself up for a situation like this, thank goodness. And uh, I've managed to find a, a day job that's essential as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, complaining and I'm constantly looking for ways to help friends and organizations that I support. Um This might be a good place to put a pin in this conversation because we've covered a lot of ground already. We've talked about how it affects our world, how it affects the comic book world, entertainment, and then the perception Mm -hmm. nationwide and globally. I mean, I think we've covered... And I like all the charity (laughs) stuff. I think I do want to talk about Jim Lee and what he's doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: Good Lord. Uh, It's... I almost want to say they were talking about Fat Man and Batman, but um, to where he's just not an artist... That's trying to help out. He's like the CEO guy of DC Comics Publishing. You know, like, and this guy is just doing a drawing every day for 60 days. And they all look phenomenal. But they're all selling like crazy good. But uh, going to charities and helping out local comic book stores. And that's what got me thinking about I can at least donate some of my sketch covers to these stores. And hopefully they'll be uh, listed in, uh, if you have time, go on
0: their instagrams or social medias we'll have links i'm sure yeah but let's say some stuff right now too that's ash avenue comics that you donated to today mm-hmm. so you can find ash avenue comics online and on instagram um and then david uh, is at the vasic the underscore v-a-s-i-c on instagram at the underscore vasic and you'll have uh, information about what you donated there as well
1: yeah i'll be i'll be cross promoting it there but um could help out those guys that that'd be great uh on the website too thevasic.com.
0: yep very cool man i think uh if i do this again um i want to talk about what superheroes would do mm-hmm. if they existed in the time of covid-19 cuz that's what i'm writing about and drawing in my comic right now vignettes of individual heroes experiences um, of your your character and my in my characters in amazing mm-hmm. arizona comics yeah because so many of the stories that i've written are ripped from the headlines kind of like law and order right? i i think like if superheroes existed how would they react to issues like in arizona the immigration policies that we have or gun control or the the supernatural elements of of the desert like the phoenix lights mm-hmm. and, and all this that's stuff i've pulled from from day one over the last 10 years and uh I mean, this is just begging for an exploration. In some ways, satirical and humorous, but in other ways, kind of, kind of dark and disturbing. I mean, and Marvel did this with nine eleven a little bit. Not to dive too deep, because I would like to dedicate that a whole silent episode. This issue, was yeah, really, really. You got even Doctor Doom
1: shedding helping now. Oh, yeah. that, was it. Amazing Spider Man that John Romita mm-hmm. did, Jr. Yeah. that one really stood out the most out of all the, the books that were coming out that had that, uh, absolutely just him climbing around to get those different vantage points of ground zero. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, he's got, he, he's hardcore New Yorker. I imagine. Remita?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. And Spider-Man,
1: which, you know, is a great marriage. Like he, he's like like New York. Oh yeah. 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 You know, so I, I, that, that one, real, uh, and I think that's where the Doctor Doom was in, and Magneto yeah. was, I mean, like... Right, everybody was kind of I'd love to thumb through that now. Yeah, but,
0: uh, absolutely, actually. Interesting idea that even the bad guys would mm-hmm. be like, okay, what's the point of this?
1: But it's weird, yeah, weird for me to, like, try to make some type of
0: social comment on it, because I
1: think all, all the stories that I, like, not writing or anything, but ideas I have for them are all... Isolated characters alone, anyway, like sure. our desert scenes, like those, you know, Mobius influenced uh, wanderers, oh, you absolutely. know. So, like, I think that uh, there's one in particular I'm working on now, which I, um, it's working as an abstract, uh, closing yourself off to society, but anyway, eerily relevant. But not intentional, you know. Sure, sure. It's crazy. Well, that's good art. Good art how finds. It makes us. like yeah. a, a weird. Like it, this is what I was working on even before this, and it's like, it's crazy. Right. But anyway, I might that might be the the online thing, for
0: the Instagram. Yeah, coming out. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking if you're a superhero, you're so used to, big schemes from mad scientists or super villains and. And your, your arch nemeses. So, when something like this is going on, your knee jerk reaction is to find out who's responsible. You know, is this, who inflicted this plague on mankind and to what end? And to constantly come up against that it's brick China. wall reality that it's just, it's China, right? <laughs> <laughs> but to just constantly realize, to just, you know, be in this perpetual state of suspicion and investigation, and you just realize time and again that it's just, it's just nature. It's just a virus, and and there is nobody to punch, and there's no grand machine to grab the switch to the feet, and, and switch yeah. it off, and everything's done back to normal. That would be immensely frustrating as a superhero. So I have that story in mind, and a few others. Yeah, and my discuss. idea was like yeah. Superman, like um,
1: they somehow take samples of Superman's blood as some type of antidote. And he, act, he actually inoculates the world, and they, for a time, have his powers.
0: Interesting. Um, what I would do with that concept, <laughs> I like that a lot, but what I would do with that concept is Superman presents himself as the cure-all. Let's do what needs to be done. And then after they draw his blood, he coughs. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm not invulnerable to this after all or by exposing or weakens, himself to the kryptonite weakens, weakens right himself. exposing himself to the kryptonite needle it would take to withdraw his blood or the red sunlight or whatever it weakens his immune system just enough to make him vulnerable and now even though he's cured a significant amount of people he's sick and he can't continue to be there for folks that's pretty good. You know, maybe you that's
1: know. that's the short we should do <laughs> we, were, we were talking about trying to do a daily panel and sure and where it's it's totally non-scripted or anything, but just, like, start with a panel, hand off. He does a panel, writes it, and then it, back to me, to you and we just mess yeah, it up. Yeah, volley
0: it back and forth. This and might be a good start. I could think be, absolutely. But um, we'll talk about that more in the next uh, installment of this, the COVID-19 edition. Yeah, the main of, thing I wanted to, yeah, just just to try to talk about it, just, just have some type
1: of record, for per, a personal record of, like, what I was thinking when I was go- going through all this. and uh, Absolutely. What's changed. And then, you know, to visit it a year from now. I don't post a lot of photographs, but I did take a lot of photographs of, like, signage. Mm. You know, drugs. Uh, not drugstores, but, um, you know, supermarkets when they were empty. I mean, it went from 90% empty. I mean, 90% full to 50% full, like, in a day or two. Wow. It was... It, the, the photos I have are, are freaking scary. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I didn't share them a lot because I didn't want to kind of spread that, not fear, but just like, you know. I just made comments to my friends. I'm like, yeah, you need to get to the store if you haven't already, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I, got, I got a lot of these photos and, you know, on some type of anniversary, I want to kind of put a collection mm-hmm. together of what I've seen. like. I don't know if you've seen the strip club cheetahs off of Seventh Street.
0: No, it's but it
1: has the like a little the little uh The marquee LED sign, you yeah. know, about like stay safe, we're gonna come back. I can't remember <laughs> what it says, but I've got to get this picture. Right. It's like the strip An club An essential industry. The strip club response to it. And it's just like awesome. <laughs>
0: hey man. I mean it's, But I
1: mean those those photographs are like just right. golden, you know, so it's always like going to Target and you just seeing the the COVID, uh, you know.
0: Oh yeah, little it's the shots apart. Yeah, snaps
1: yep. or the the stickers, and that's that's another thing. How I know this is gonna like the uh, impact of it is gonna be so significant because it's not just duct tape or some crappy right. tape on the floor. It's they've already made yeah these are vinyl you know, vinyl the the fonts are you know. Coincide with targets. Right, brand. the branding you know, is there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the red and whites and black. Sure. It's
0: those are permanent stickers. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And you know, uh, why not? Uh, why not proceed with caution from this moment forward, so that um, we're prepared for the next uh, COVID, whatever it may be. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well. I'm gonna put a pin in this, David. Thank you for being my guest again uh, at the Vassic, the underscore Vasek on Instagram,
1: yeah, and
0: thevassic.com. Yeah. That's thank the website.
1: You. Yeah,
0: and uh, you can find me, of course, at Amazing Az Comics on Instagram and uh, AmazingArizonaComics.com. Those are the two big uh, online hubs for uh, what's going on in the world of Amazing Arizona Comics and uh, my uh, sphere of arts and. Uh, arts and sciences now in the phoenix area my name is russ and thanks for listening